Amen, amen. Father, we are so grateful for our team. Lord, it's great that you allow us to define team in a, in a bunch of ways. We get a, a, a local team in our family. Then we get an extended team in our church family, which the blood of you, Jesus, unites us. Then we get a greater church family where we get to unite with churches all over, Lord. There's just such beauty in this concept of family. I'm grateful for our worship team giving you their all with their voices and setting an environment of worship and praise, God. Thankful for Pastor Santez as here as a, just another reminder of the church that's bigger than any one small church, bigger than MacAv, but you love your church universal, God. And I'm thankful for the expressions of families that are here, whether it's uh, Whitney or whether it's uh, the Eggers, Lord, or Samson's, just seeing families together, Lord, it's beautiful. Now, Lord, would you allow your word to encourage us that we might be able to understand you a bit more clearly and as a result, live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, tech team, for hooking us up and getting us moving forward. I... Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, in Michigan, most of the time, uh, I get a boo when I say that because of some of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, but it's all good. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, um, and about four years ago, one of my teams, the Cleveland Browns, did something that's not supposed to happen in football. They lost some games. They, they lost every game. <laughs> they, lost, they lost all the games the whole year, and it was, it was a bit sad. It was, it was kind of jacked up, and, and that's, but that's, that's my team. And I have another team, though, another team that's close to my heart, has always been close to my heart. I never had to choose because it was never an issue of these two teams coming down to the finals. It was the Lions. And my Detroit Lions were the predecessors of my Browns, and in 2008, they lost some games, Ken. <laughs> Ken, Ken throwing, up the, the, throwing up the, oh, they lost every game. And, and, and it was, it was kind of crazy when you think of like the, the culture and, and how people viewed things, you had this like overall sadness. Man, we about to lose again? Come on, not again. But there was somebody that didn't get the memo. The year before, the Lions drafted a young man named Calvin Johnson in 2007, and he got some snaps, got a few chances to catch the ball, but in 2008, he started. He started almost every game. He kind of went crazy. Calvin Johnson actually was number five in receiving yards. That's how many yards, like when they throw you the ball, how many yards you get, and was number two in touchdowns. During a year where the team lost all games, Calvin Johnson didn't get the memo. 
See, his focus was on something else. He, he, had a, he had a job to do. His job was to catch the ball no matter what was going down. His focus was on something else. You see, family, as we've been diving into this beautiful book, the book of Philippians, Paul has been trying to say, I know that there's some crazy things going on. Even as I write you this letter, I write it to you from jail, but where is your focus? Where is your focus? It should be on that which is joy. And so he's going to give us some tools, give us some some mechanics, give us some things that we can apply in our life so that when our vision gets off and we don't know where to focus, he centers us back on Jesus. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to continue. We're only going to cover three verses today. And I feel good in here. Am, but I'm not loud. Am I good online? They're cool, all sweet. My, my team's the bomb, y'all. Chapter 4, just three verses, verses 7 through 9. And we're covering verse 7 a little bit. We covered some of that last week. I need to go back just a little bit to remind you, starting at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and, and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. God of peace will be with you. This brother named Richard Mellick wrote a commentary on Philippians, and he says, hey, there's this honing in, this focus on how peace affects and girds us in the opportunity to experience joy. That God's peace will connect you with experiencing his joy. Have no peace It's going to be very tough to have joy. But that peace is not defined by our outside circumstances. That peace is not defined by what surrounds us and what is coming at us. I I love that in the the beginning of verse 7, it says, and the peace of God. Making it clear that peace is divine. Peace is something that flows from the giver of life. Peace is something that comes from God and you can't produce, you just can't conjure up peace. You can't just be like, okay, peace, I'm good. So in a a storm, it is God that can calm the waves. It is God that can bring forth peace that changes a situation. It is peace from God that is divine. But also that verse says, peace surpasses understanding. That there is this this concept that sometimes peace just don't make sense, right? I remember uh, uh, I was was in my like 
early 20s, was coming to, to start walking more deeply with the Lord and had, had grown in my, in my prayer life. And, and this was at a time where, like, I didn't like writing checks because when I wrote a check, like, I had to, like, double check my checking, checking account just to make sure the money was in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like write that check too quick and it, it, it might just get the bouncing on you, you know? And so at this time, I'm, like, at church and I just hear the Lord say clearly, give it all. Now, that wasn't a lot. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a lot, but it was like, I think I had like 250, and I just felt like, but when I wrote that check, the peace that I had in obeying what God was asking me to do was so much greater and was so much more powerful than anything else. Like, I, I couldn't even understand it. Wait, I'm broke now, but I feel better because I'm in your will? Because I feel like I've responded to what you've asked me to do? Like, that is the peace that God brings. It, sur- it surpasses understanding. It, it, it baffles you. you. You said no when everyone else was saying yes. But you, you are, have peace. And so this peace is divine. This peace surpasses all understanding. And then uh, Richard Mellick says this last thing, that, that peace will guard you. Guard you. It's, a, it's a, a, a military term that's used to imply that, that the peace of God is on duty keeping anything from disrupting your connection. That, it's, that it is present, that it's almost as if kids, how many of you guys play video games, kids? Uh, every once in a while, I got to make sure my kids is with me. Y'all know they, all right, all right, yep, yep, Joseph, come on. Uh, yep, I still love them too. I ain't played video games in a while, but I love them. Have, have, you, have you ever played a video game that had a force field? Where a force field like just comes around you and it, it protects you. It, it keeps you shielded from, from things that might come to harm you. It's as if peace is one of those tools that God uses to guard the believer. Say, no, you're not going to disrupt that joy. You're not going to bring forth that, that crazy amount of anxiety because Leon doesn't have to worry. You don't have to worry because your faith is secure. And so there, peace is divine from verse 7. Peace surpasses understanding in verse 7, and peace will guard our hearts and minds in verse 7. But then there's some things that Paul tries to help equip us in because, because what he wants you and I to do is to begin to be okay with setting an environment. Setting an, an environment for peace to have its way through the Lord. You know, set, set, set the environment. We, 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 we have some kids. And uh, when my children want something, there's certain things that they may do beforehand to get daddy and mommy ready just so we might say yes. We, we already know something wrong if I come in the house and everybody done, done their chores. I already know if, if somebody starts getting in daddy's lap and snuggling up a little bit, then look at me with them eyes, I already know what, 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 what you're about to ask for. 
Spouses do it too. Set, set the room, set the mood. Like, like families know that there are ways that you try to set the environment so that you can have a certain experience. Paul is saying, here's some, some, some ways that you should consider setting the environment so that peace can operate in your life. But, but you got to have right perspective in order for that to happen. Look at verse 8. Because in, in order to understand verse 8, look at the last phrase. The last phrase is how you view the previous words that are described. That are described. The last phrase says, think about these things. So you're going to be setting the environment. You're going to think about these things. That same concept of thinking, that same word thinking is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 10 through 11 when it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You see, your thinking affects your focus, what you think about, what you choose to select to just meditate on affects your focus. I think Calvin Johnson chose to think on some different things than, than maybe the rest of the team that year. And so we get launched into this list where, where Paul is saying, Think on these things when you have the opportunity to be challenged. If you, if you want a tool belt to wrap around you and get your mind set in the midst of adversity, in the midst of challenge, you want to be able to experience joy, here's some things to think on. First one, think on this, whatever is true. See, God's word is true. Who God is is true. Who he is to you is true. So, so a sister named Chris Reese came up with this cool list. I'm not going to give you the whole list, but here's, here's some promises that, that you can stand on, that you can think on, so your mind can be focused on things that are true. Here's some promises that God will never leave you. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Another promise. God has plans to prosper you. Jeremiah 29. You know those famous ones that you see on every living room little mantle. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Third promise. God hears your prayers. In John 14, he says that I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You, you're hearing these things that you can think on, that you can rest your mind on, that your mind can be thinking on whatever is true. Promise number five, God always loves you. Oh, excuse me, promise number, number five, God would always, no, that was number four, God would always love you. And this love, God was made manifest among us, it says in 1 John, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. This is truth. This you can think on. This is true. So then continue with me on the next part of, 
of the verse, verse 8. Think on this. Think on whatever is honorable. Honorable, that idea of being worthy, of being respectable, of, of, of having a, a life that is worthy and being that of being honored. In this context, Paul is actually talking about church leadership. He's talking about that there should be some, some character that people see because you are leading and a part of a church that they say, man, that's, that's a lifestyle worthy of living. Like, like I should want to live kind of like that. But that's not just for the pastor, y'all, right? I, I ain't getting all them amens, amen. Well, okay, all right, all right. I know we in here. I know. <laughs> but think on this, whatever is honorable, whatever it is that, that is worthy of respect and honor, is, is a term that we used to use, you know, back in the day was noble. When was the last time you associated the term noble with someone's character? Continue to think on these things. Think on this. The next term to, to put in your belt to be able to experience God's peace, setting an environment for his peace. Think on this. Think on whatever is just. Things that conform to God's standards, God's ways, God's rule. It implies giving to God and to people a justness that is worthy, that, that they are worthy of seeing people how God would see them. And these are things that you're thinking on, that you're, that you're meditating on, that your mind is considering. Continue with me, same verse. I know he gives us a bunch of lists, right? He gives us a bunch of options to choose in verse 8. But imagine if our, if our minds begin to be saturated with these types of things that we consider over some of the other stuff. Think on this, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, that which is pure is holy, it is blameless. I remember when, uh, when, when, when earlier on in my, in my Christian walk, somebody challenged me to keep uh, index cards. Do we even have index cards anymore? Folks even know what those are today? We had index cards. And it would say, write down a scripture, put the scripture on your dashboard, put the scripture on the mirror in your bathroom, and it'll help you memorize it. And I thought that was crazy. Why would I, why, why I got to need to keep it with me everywhere? I'm good. I'll, I'll, take this, I'll take it out once and I'll memorize it. But you know what? The more I started putting it in certain places, it was reminding me of the holiness of God. That now when I'm rolling in my car and I start singing and I'm ready to start cussing something crazy and I see that card, I'm like, oh, there's, there's a different character that God has from what I was about to say, from the way I was about to demean his creation, the way I was about to talk about women. Now, I, 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 I can't just, I, you start coming in contact, you start coming into a little bit of attention with your lifestyle and how you believe and walk and live and then a holy lifestyle. And God says, think on these things. 
that that's good for us, that if you want to experience godly peace, allow our minds to be considering things that are holy. And I'm not trying to get on y'all for the music you listen to. Get your jam on. But if it convicted you, then maybe you were supposed to be convicted. Think on this. Whatever is lovely. Found here in the New Testament, it is, it is, it is that which calls forth love, where we get to see uh, love displayed in ways that are attractive to other people. What does it look like for Christ-like character to be attractive, for people to see that in you and to want it? We're not talking about physical attraction to want you. We're saying want your lifestyle, want our way of living. And, and I love that Paul isn't speaking simply in like a theoretical perspective. He's speaking from firsthand living this out. Lastly, that which is commendable and admirable. Think on things that are, are praiseworthy, are, are worth our attention, worth our time, worth our ability to glorify God. I was, uh, I was, I was listening to, the, um, to some of the speeches that took place a few weeks ago for the Hall of Fame. And uh, it was cool because I hadn't seen one of the guys that I really like a lot in a long time named Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan said, sadly, he lost his, his mom when he was 14. But she instilled this mantra in him that led him to continue to push himself and push himself and push himself to a point where he was being retired for being great in the basketball league. She had this mantra that said, Good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And he lived by that mantra. Now that's cool for him. And I'm happy for all the things that he was able to accomplish. But, but you see the effect of someone even taking something from the world that seems good and, and, and starting to think on that, think on that, think on that. If it could get him to a hall of fame off of a, a worldly statement, what could God's word, God's truth, God's re- revelation do for us if we think on it, if we think on it? Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter the score. Doesn't matter the challenges. It allows our minds to be stayed on thee. But I love that that Paul doesn't leave it there because Jesus never left it there. Jesus never called us simply to have good knowledge. Simply having the facts and the information was never enough. Verse 9 calls us to action. Verse 9 says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So now you've 
set the environment with your mind. You've, you've set it up so that the Lord can work because you're trying to think on these things. You have the opportunity to, to think on how bad it's going to be, all the anxiety of how things could go wrong. You have the opportunity to, to sulk in all the ways that it's not working out. Or you have the opportunity to put your mind on God and all that he can do. And then you have the opportunity to walk in it, to live it out, to act on it. And Paul is saying, hey, I want you to act it out based on what you've seen. I've been a model for you. I've been a, 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 a role model. I've been one that you can emulate your life after. Not because I'm perfect, but because I love Jesus, I am one that you can follow after, that you can imitate. And in imitating this type of character, the peace of God will be with you. We've got some cool examples of, of folks imitating others and then us seeing such a beautiful impact. Our brother Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a, a great theological mind. And he had some amazing uh, experiences while in the States of, of coming up under uh, different leaders and learning from them and having them help shape his theology a bit on the ground so that as he was getting one thing in the classroom, he actually was worshiping with people very different than him. And those things together helped serve as a, a role model experience that allowed him to be one of the greatest theological minds we've ever had. There's a gentleman named Benjamin E. Mays. He was a, 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 a Baptist minister. Benjamin E. Mays set the tone and a lot of the infrastructure for the civil rights movement. He was a president of a very well-known college, but, but what he's probably most well-known for is he was the role model of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A, a, a predecessor, a, a one that not only said, hey, let's talk about these concepts, but was living it out day to day on the ground, and Dr. King was able to see that. Got some biblical examples of a of a Timothy walking with a Paul and seeing life on life. And Paul is saying, just as, just as it was happening there, it is happening here with these Philippians that, that they get a chance to see Paul's life on full display. So now you get a chance to think on things that are heavenly, but who would you emulate your life after? We, we are cool with it when it's youth. When it's youth, we're like, hey, we need to have more role models for the kids. Who's your role model today? As an adult, as a, as a, as a who would you say, man, that person, they're not Jesus, but I'd like to model my life after that person. I, I know that there are some folks in our church body that I, I get excited about my children being able to be in you guys' presence because there's character that I want my children to be affected by that they get a chance to model after. But, but we haven't arrived, y'all. 
We, have, we haven't coasted in. We, okay, we got Jesus and we good. No, the Lord gives us gospel-centered people that are walking in the power of the Spirit near us that we can touch, that we can see, that we can learn from. And Paul is saying, act it. Act it out. Live it out. You had a chance to think about it. Now you have a chance to do it. And allow both of those to affect your perspective. No matter what the situation looks like, no matter how bad it seems like things are against you, you still have, we still have the opportunity to soar. We still have an opportunity to win because we have this Christ who offers us peace. Some people are are struggling with how can we have peace in a time when there's so much adversity. There's people arguing over stimulus checks. They're arguing over how long we'll, we'll rent uh, um, this uh, uh, moratorium or an eviction. It's like there's so many things that are debated right now. But our peace was never based on our government before COVID, and our peace will not be based on our government afterwards. And so, family, I pray that you would be centering your focus, that we would be allowing our minds to be grabbed and equipped by these different opportunities to think on these things of the Lord. If you are a person walking with Jesus, we want to give you the opportunity to get connected. To not see your church as just friends, but actually see your church as people living out gospel-centered truths and draw closer to someone that's doing that. Get connected to somebody that's, that's living in a way that you want to live. I can hear Joel now. Joel and I, I, I got on Joel for about a year, like, hey, Joel, we need to start doing some workouts, man. We need to start getting something going in our community. Like, we, need, we need to start getting a little bit healthier. So then Joel called me to the carpet. They start going for jogs on Tuesday mornings and Thursday morning, and I ain't answered Joel's call in about three months. <laughs> Love you, Joel. <laughs> but, but, but Joel is one who is, like, physically fit, and I know I need to get in his presence because Joel pushes me. He's going to stretch me. He's going to grow me. Church family, some of us are dealing with anger. We need to get in the presence of some church members who have great patience. Church family, some of us are having, having struggles in our, in our friendships, and we need to get in the presence of people who have some, some strong relationships, family. Some of us are struggling with anxiety, maybe depression, and, and what does it look like for you to come alongside someone who, who, who struggled with that at one point and, and is now doing a lot better, and they want to love on you. Family, let's be the body of Christ and walk with one another. Never intended for us to do it alone. But if you are a person on the other end of the spectrum, where this, this God, this Jesus it's someone that you don't yet know, and you are desiring to experience the peace described, somehow still be able to be strong, to be confident, to be 
steadfast in the midst of adversity coming your way, and you could say, I never could understand what that's like, this God can offer that? Yes. This Jesus wants to offer you stability even in the midst of a storm. And he asks for something simple, that you would believe that he died so that you could experience life to the fullest. That even in our goodness, even in our nice ways, even in our kindness, without Christ, we were walking dead. But that it is Jesus that gives us life, and that new life gives us an opportunity to experience true peace. And so if you would like to experience that true peace, then we invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, forgive me. I've chosen my way instead of your way. Today, I want to accept your way. I believe you have died so that I could live, and I want to follow you. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill me so I can choose your ways over my own. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you are a person that, that prayed that prayer, uh, even if you prayed it in your heart and, and you had people around and you was too nervous to say something around, but you, you were at home with some folks and you was praying it at home from your heart, and we want to say, welcome to the family of God. Because there is nothing more important than you having a saving relationship with Jesus. And the family of God wants to see you grow and walk in that. And so if you accepted Christ today, please join us for a Zoom call after service. And if you are present and have accepted Christ, please come forward to see me at the end of service. Uh, Our church would love to see you grow. Just accepting Jesus is the starting point. Living for Jesus and having a family do that with you uh, is is our goal. So we are excited to have that happen. Let me pray. Lord, let us focus on you. Help our mindset to be able to to look past whatever other things might be trying to steal our attention away. Let our focus be upon you. And when that happens, Lord, we get a chance to experience peace. Peace that's beyond our understanding. Peace that guards our hearts and minds. Peace, and Lord knows, you know, Father, we've needed your peace. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.